1: What is up, Fantasy We are back in the district. Another weekend of preseason action. We got a full house tonight. We got a big guest. You guys see from the title. You see him on the screen. You know him from Chip chip Chasing. You know him from NBC Edge. You know him from the Good Football Show. Pat Carain, welcome back to the Goat District, brother. Thanks, guys. Excited to be here. Pumped to have you, man. Pumped to have you. As you could see, all the goats showed up for this one. We're ready to, as you guys know, we bring in the best guests, the biggest winners, the best analysts. Tonight, we have a man that does both. Smash the like, smash the subscribe. Theo, I know you're anxious to get this thing going. I could see you chopping at the bits. Let's talk league winners. Let's talk ADP steals. Let's squeeze Pat for our guests to help these guys win their leagues this year.
2: So uh, welcome, Pat. And yeah, Pat certainly is is a very sharp analyst, but he also has a lot of skin in the game. Um, you recently put together a couple of main event slows. I imagine you've got a lot of live drafts coming up this week. Um, we've got kind of a tricky spot. Uh, Dan and I split some teams. Andrew and I split some teams. Um, it's that that one oh six, that one oh seven, and Dan kind of pushed the the one oh eight in there. Um, what has kind of your been your optimal approach um, with respect to the to that like middle of the first round position? Um, and trying to maximize your build. Maybe talk about your 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 strategies in the first round and also how you would follow up in the second round with that sort of a strategy.
3: I completely agree that that's the tricky spot. I think, you know, if you're at six, the optimal approach is to, to pray Jamar Chase Falls, you know, because it's like once that doesn't happen, you really are. I mean, and it's flat. I think it's sort of positionally flat uh, because you could take Kelsey. You could take a Diggs, uh, Eckler. But then I think the next round is kind of positionally flat, too, because you might have Kyle Pitts come back. Debo's in play. There's lots of running backs there. And then the third round, I think, is also somewhat positionally flat because I like Waller and Kittle, uh, who are pretty much always there at that spot in the mid-third, at least one of them. And then a ton of wide receivers that I like there. And, you know, maybe you could get an ETN or something. So I think it kind of comes down to how you want to play at a tight end would be, like, the first major question. Um, I think the thing that I'm more worried about is getting – boxed out of receiver in round two than I am uh, running back because I think there's some really good running backs that you can get in the middle of round two. You really can't get boxed out of a round two running back, I think. So that pushes me maybe a little bit more towards playing it through digs. Um, But, you know, Eckler's tough to tough to pass on. So I, I think I'd rather be at 108 than 106 and let a couple other people make that tricky decision and probably still get digs and then come back, get one of the better running backs and then you're probably still before the major tier break at wide receiver. Although I've seen what I consider the tier break to happen as early as like 304. So, um, but in that worst case scenario, you could maybe still land Waller or Kittle. Um, so yeah, I probably, I kind of lean towards making sure I get the receiver first. Uh, but I, I think you can kind of play it any number of ways. And, and that approach for me comes down mostly to feeling really comfortable with getting pits in the second, We're really comfortable getting Waller, Kittle in third, or, you know, playing it a little cute and trying to get one of them to come back in the fourth. I don't feel the need to really prioritize Kelsey because I know I have those backstops.
2: Yeah, and and I I think you brought up a good point about how potentially the flatness um, makes the 108 a little more appealing um, because you also might get exposure to somebody who could potentially be there in the second round that is going to go before you'd pick when, when you have that that 106. Is that kind of how you're seeing it too, Dan? Like, Dan, we have a 108, we're in a football guy slow right now. Um, we were happier getting that than six. I'd imagine you, you felt the same way.
4: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I don't love any of those. The six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and, and it's for exactly the reasons that Pat said. I mean, it's just, you know, you're you're picking into a – a flat area. Um, when you're coming back in the second round, really, CD Lamb is probably the only receiver you've really got a shot at. Otherwise, you're going to be either pushing up, uh, you know, Debo or Tyreek or Mike Evans or somebody like that, which I don't feel real comfortable doing. So you're you're almost pressed into taking uh, a tight end or a running back in the second round, unless CD happens to fall for you. And you know, which is fine. I mean, if one if you want to do a you know two running back build or something like that, you could do it. But yeah, I, that's that's why I end up on Digs a lot of the time. Um, and there are even times where I'll just I'll I'll just say screw it, and I'll take Lamb up there uh, with that first pick, and then uh, let things come back around and you know take one of the best running backs. What it you know I'm just trying to mix it up so I don't end up with too much Digs exposure there.
5: Yeah, that's what we did in our main Dan in the 109. We think we were really hoping for Digs and really thought Digs would come and. He went 108 and so we you know we pushed the land up lamb up to 109 so i we did exactly that move i guess the the one question i have for you pat is you know how often is pitts gonna actually make it back to you know that what 204 205 uh with, with his well with his literally one catch tonight first play of the game or whatever absolute smash didn't think he'd even come back in the game i think they put him in for like one goal line play uh and, and then that was that Pitts' this night are we are we gonna see Mid second round pit still, or is that going to be uh, more of a unicorn than he is?
3: Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's a great question, and kind of changes up things in the second round. If you can't get him, we got him in our first main event. We had the one hundred and five, and we got him to come back. Um, then we've since prioritized him. We took him. We took him over Andrews in one draft uh, out of the one ten. We went. We just locked up pits. I think was kind of a co-managed draft where i i probably lean andrews there but no problem taking pits i think uh you know he should be he should be more you should not be able to get pits in the late second like that just seems like unfair i'm actually glad as <laughs> someone does have some other drafts late i'm like you know like i don't want the the yeah. uh, early part of the board to have access to that combo it just it just feels kind of screwed up so uh yeah i think it, it's only natural that pitches adp will rise uh, as, as far as a bet on talent, you know, he it's just such a such an easy click for me uh, that the profile was so good coming in. What he did as a rookie, so impressive for a tight end. Um, and he basically plays wide receiver. So I, I really like Pitts and I think he will probably continue to move up.
2: The follow up to the question. Potentially, if you went with a running back, running back start out of the middle of the first round here, would you still consider going Kittle or Waller in the third? And do you think you could kind of make up for it at wide receiver if you went running back, running back, tight end, um, in potentially a tight end premium format like the FFBC?
3: So we actually had this happen uh, out of the eighth spot. Uh, Diggs went <laughs> – Andrew, you took Diggs, so thanks for <laughs> that, buddy. You took him six. Uh, we'll then the Kelsey – Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey goes, and then we got Eckler eight – Najee came back in the second round, so we went ahead and picked him. Both Andrews and Pitts were gone. Um, So you're just in that spot where, yeah, it's Debo or Tyreek, or you grab a running back, felt like the value was good enough on Harris there. And then in the third round, the real decision point was, are we going to get two boxed out of receiver here? And I think maybe in a year, like a year or two ago, probably would have gone with the tight end, feeling more confidence that we would have been able to get the receivers in five, Six at four, five, six, seven, but that's not really how drafts have been going this year. It feels like the late fifth. There can be a real tier break before you pick again, um, and so what we did was we took we took Mike Williams, and then Kittle did come back. So we we played it a little cute at tight end, but it didn't burn us. Um, and I feel really good that we did that because we got Elijah Moore in the fifth. That was basically I think sort of the last of that tier. And then, you know, we just, we had to rip a ton of wide receivers to feel okay at that position. I
1: I find you, you, I find you still have that challenge guys, even if you're not necessarily going tight end early, like Dan and I are football guys. You know, we, we managed to get Etienne in the fourth. So we got three running backs in the first four rounds, which I know is not popular in this crew, but, and then we, and then we went quarterback in the sixth because we stacked Juju and Mahomes so, again, if you're going heavy, a, lit, a little heavier running back early, whether you take a tight end there or not, you're still wondering, like, do I want to hammer quarterback early now? I need to, to catch up a bit at, at receiver, or are we comfortable? Because like you guys said, like some we threw up a board earlier, I think it was um, Andrew, and, you know, there, there was that fifth round where it just pisses yellow. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like you said, Pat, you're into the, ne- the next tier of receivers. So you kind of got to manage that, you know as you go into those, those deeper rounds, if you do not uh, address the receiver position heavy early.
2: Um, I wanted to, if, any, if ever, everybody's good with kind of the structural question here, I wanted to backtrack to Pitts. We also play NFFC. We have a lot of NFFC listeners and people watching right now who play predominantly NFFC and also some FFWC uh, players. How would you approach Kyle Pitts um, in, the, in a non-tight end premium? Like, are you thinking that you should push him up in this format or are you kind of looking to take him when Andrews goes, then that's kind of like a trigger for, for Pitts? Um, where, where are you at on that, Pat?
3: So I've been drafting a lot on underdog and DraftKings in and, and best ball, and there was a period where you could consistently get Pitts in the late third on underdog and sometimes there was like another the kind of smaller window where he would fall to the like 402 403 range and i just was i actually changed like my whole tight end strategy around that i was like i'm gonna take less kelsey i'm not ever reaching for andrews you know like getting pits in that range and that's just half point ppr i just think was such a smash um, and on DraftKings he typically goes more like the early third of the two three turn now but i think that's that's great. Like to me it makes, you know, if he was a wide receiver, I think he would make a lot of sense in like the mid third. You know, he's a he's a really strong prospect. Uh he I know he scored one touchdown last year, but you know, he's a big dude. Theoretically, there should be some touchdown upside. Uh he had an incredibly strong he had over 2 yards per out run as a rookie, which is not just elite for a tight end, it's elite for a receiver. Obviously, he's super highly drafted. Like, he has everything we're looking for in terms of a breakout wide receiver. That tight end, tight end eligibility is still a massive bonus in non-tight end premium leagues. So, yeah, I think he's a priority in every format right now. Like, he's – I don't think – you know, he's much more expensive in uh, FFPC. But when that discount comes into play in regular PPR leagues and you're getting him at, like, the 2-3 turn, I love him there too.
2: Dan, do you think that's where he's going to end up? but when we're drafting like NFFC at the end of the month?
4: More than likely. Yeah. Um, though in, in the NFFC, I mean, there are enough guys that just, they, they really don't, they, they don't prioritize tight end at all. Uh, and so that always seems to make him fall at least a little bit further than I think he's going to. And if the right people are in the right order in the draft, he can fall actually a, a pretty good ways. So, uh, you know, that's, it, it kind of depends on who you're drafting with and what their their philosophy towards tight end is, um, but Pitts is a Pitts is a guy that like, you know, if I if I can get him in the late second, early third, I'm definitely taking him there. Um, early second round, it's 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 a little bit tough to push him up over like uh, you know C.D. Lamb. Uh, anytime after that, though, I'd be pretty comfortable taking Pitts in the N.F.F.C
2: andrew kind of where where's
4: your head at on uh on that for like a a
2: non-tight end premium
5: yeah not not above some of those wide receivers that we like but i i think that he's he's right there after um i think late late seconds so when we do our you know nffc super and you know i got got to do my own research because it's 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 your space not mine uh but it's I, our I make, space I got, now andrew i got i got yeah you're right i got, I got to make sure that my arguments are well founded to get you and Dan uh, on, on board that Kyle Pitts.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's actually an interesting point you bring up. So the Super um, is a closed 12-man league, whereas the NFFC primetime is sort of like the FFPC main event where it's a, you're competing for a larger prize. Pat, are you more open to, to pushing Kyle Pitts in a tournament setting with the unknown upside um, where you might lean more towards a – more of a we've seen it type guy in a in a Kelsey or or Andrews, um, if it's a closed league, or are you just kind of treating them the same way in both?
3: I, I think in the case of Pitts, I'm probably treating him pretty similarly. The the guys I'm tending to push up, like I really like uh, Kyler Murray's playoff schedule. Uh, Pete's been uh, really hammering. Pete has really been hammering the the playoff schedule for uh, Kyler, and we we took Kyler in our first three main events. I think he's, his price is really nice just in general, but also you get that playoff format upside. So that, that type of stuff, I think you want to push a little bit. But in terms of the breakout profiles, I mean, you still got to beat 11 other teams. So, you know, I, I, I think the, the Pitt's breakout profile is very appealing in both formats.
2: And I and wanted you... to have one oh, quick follow-up. No oh, go ahead, Andrew. Um, in regards to, to Mandrews, um, this is not on the show sheet, um, but... We've seen Isaiah Likely really, really flash, and I kind of want to get all three of your um, thoughts on Likely. Um, I saw a great stat um, from from Nathan uh, Yankee on um, on PFF. Yahanke, am I saying that correctly? Um, Dan, Yahanke, right? Janki. Janki. Okay. All right. I tried. Um, <laughs> the uh, it was no no tight end who has scored who has uh, produced a 99-yard first half in a preseason game, has ever finished less than tight end 20 overall for the season. You're seeing the Baltimore beat writers come out and say that they expect likely to be the number three target on the team behind Bateman and, and Andrews, and they're going to use him as some kind of move tight end that just sees a lot of the field. Are we drafting likely now? Is this something that should be in our, our late-round uh, tight end strategy and, like, FFPC guys? Um, are we buying into the likely hype?
4: I have a little more trouble with it. Um, yeah, no, you know, no, he's no. – he, he, at, athletically, he's a real dud. Um, and, Big time. Yeah. And, and, and those guys just generally don't hit. I mean, that's not to say that it's impossible. And, you know, maybe Baltimore is desperate enough that he will. Um, but, you know, I guess – you know 19th 20th round uh you know you do what you got to do <laughs> that that's where i'm at on it i think
3: i haven't been i haven't taken him at all in best ball uh because mm-hmm. i think you know you're you're cutting you know you can't cut anybody and that does he does strike me as a guy that you really might want to cut you know, if you're right. checking your best ball team week six or something but uh I liked him as a prospect. I thought he looked a lot like Mark Andrews. The top, I, the comps I had for him were Mark Andrews, Adam Troutman, Hunter Long, and Clive Walford. So you know, not like, not an incredible set of comps, but I think he, you know, he's he's not a great athlete. He's a bit undersized, but he's kind of a big receiver, um, and he, he was pretty productive in college. So you know, I I think having that production from the tight end, I. I'll trade a certain amount of athleticism for the production because you're kind of at the NFL level, you kind of have these guys splitting into two camps of players. Some of them are basically just glorified tackles and some of them are big receivers. And likely at least I do, I think do does fit into the mold of kind of the big slot receiver type. So I I get, I'm still skeptical that he'll get that much playing time because are they really playing like a base 12 personnel? But you know, if Andrews were to miss any time um, you know, Maybe maybe
5: there's some appeal. I th- I think a lot of fab money is going to get spent on him. Not not all at once, not in one single week, but five different people picking him up and dropping him over the course of the season. He's going to end up accumulating a ton of a ton of fab bids. with people <laughs> being annoyed and throwing them back. The
3: most the churn. Floor, He'll be the most, right. most highly churned
5: player. <laughs> yeah, right. I could totally see that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to call him butter. He's nothing but churn, man. Nothing but churn. I'm
2: oh, I'm like kind of oh, I'm kind of open. Again, I think I'm. I think I'm more open to him than, than maybe you guys are. I think that, like, you know, Dan, the athletic profile is ugly. Like, his, you know, the relative athletic score, um, all the metrics look, look bad, but he just flashes. Like, his highlights look great, and he makes plays in the middle of the field where we've seen Lamar Jackson have success. And I think that even if – so there's two trains of thought here. Um, if you're off of him as the number three target and the, the beats are kind of on that, I mean, it's Duvernay, Prochet, and, and likely, then it means maybe we should like Rashad Bateman a little bit more because I think that that mm-hmm. means we're we're talking about he should get a north of 25% potentially target share and, and Mandrews should be our tight end one overall. Um, but if you're not kind of on that train, then I think likely getting him late and at least being able to watch the first two games of the regular season um, where you're getting him in like the 18th round, I think he might pay off. Um, I don't know.
4: Some, some yeah, strange I
2: mean, things
4: happen. You're, you're, you're definitely making a good case, uh, you know, for a main event or, uh, you know, football guys or something like that. Uh, you know, first off, because, you know, we can change, you know, we can throw players back, you know, as Pat was saying, I, I've been drafting mostly best balls lately. So, you know, I've kind of been on the same thing as Pat, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't make my button hit the finger or yeah. figure out the button on that. But um you know, I, I do think it's a good point that, um, you know, they probably are going to play a lot of 12 personnel. I mean, you know, basically the way that they went out and drafted this year and everything else tells us that they plan to play a lot of 12. And if they're going to do that, likely he's going to be on the field as one of the, the tight ends in that. See, I was thinking it would be like Andrews and a blocker, but if they're going to be, you know, if they're going to be throwing Andrews and likely out there, uh you know that definitely does change things a little bit and you could, you could you could see your way to him being the the third target especially since duvernay and crochet haven't really done anything over the past couple years already
3: yeah and the, yeah. the likely stuff I mean, he was very productive in college but he was also really efficient uh he had 2.99 yards per outrun in his final season which is an elite mark uh he had 2.42 yards per hour over his career which uh was what Mark Andrews had in college. Kyle Pitts was at 2.36. So, like, he was efficient and productive as a pass catcher, which I definitely think should get him on your radar. But I, I like the point about Bateman. Like, uh, Hayden Winks did some research on yards per hour run, showing that, you know, if guys are in two tight end sets or if there's only two wide receivers on the field at a given time, like, the wide, the yards per hour for the wide receivers it tends to be higher because they're not competing against as many wide receivers. So, you know, if you think about it from Bateman's perspective, if they're pulling – I know it's like Devin DuVernay and James Brochet, not exactly the best wide receivers that are coming off the field, but still like a wide receiver's coming off and a rookie tight ends coming on. Like it's probably easier to get a target for Bateman in those sets than, you know, out of three wide receiver sets. So it, it probably slightly should boost Bateman.
5: One more uh, structural question. I think the, you had like a specific tight end question in a second, but, but Pat, I, you know, was listening to the first mini-sode of, of your slow. And I think you guys did go naked tight end there with only one tight end uh and the main event is there a cutoff point Um, uh, if you're looking at you know tight end ADP or your tight end rankings where you'd feel comfortable going truly naked uh you know tight end through through a whole draft is you know does that end at you know the the Kittle wall or does that end after maybe like Hawkinson is is there a, is there a cutoff point at least from my end I've been uh either drafting one of those top few guys um I think I've got one instance we should talk about to Goddard but otherwise basically just letting it go until the 19th, 20th round, uh, for, you know, a likely type, you know, do you, do you have a cutoff for, uh, for naked tight end in your mind?
3: I think the cutoff for me would probably be, uh, Kittle or or Waller. Yeah. But I I don't think it'd be bad to, if it was, um, let's say, uh, Goddard or, Mm -hmm. or Hawkinson or something like I, I could get on board with that. I just think at that point, I personally would probably want to take a second, um, but one of the things in adjusting to the FFPC format has been, like, one of the surprises has been, you know, you really can find tight ends on on the waiver line. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really don't mind, especially, like, if if the tier of tight ends where I think there's upside goes a little earlier than I want. Or in this particular draft, we did a true zero running back build. Our first running back was Devin Singletary. Uh, our RB2 was Michael Carter. RB3, Kenneth Gainwell. Those picks coincided with that tight end run. That's right. So we exactly. would have had to take, you know, by that point, Higby, Everett, Engram, all gone when we took Gainwell. We would have had to take like Noah Fant over Gainwell's RB3. I don't think we could have afforded to do that. Yep. So I think you can more easily find usable tight end weeks on the waiver wire because the running backs do tend to get snapped up very quickly. They get There's a lot of fab money that gets spent on those guys.
5: That's right. And I think that's just more like st- structurally of what's happening with how you draft your team in the first, what, 8, 10 rounds kind of dictates it's probably a better move to be missing on those tight ends in 11 through 15. You'd rather be taking the wide receivers, the running or probably more likely the running backs in those in those rounds. So, yeah, that, that's that's what I've been finding myself doing. And D- Dan knows uh, it's a pretty bad dad joke, but I've just been you know saying, uh, you know, let the tight ends do do, do their best Tom Peretti, uh impression with the free free falling. Just, to, you know, either you, you, you take one of the first five or six or you just, you know, let the whole thing go and see where you shake out in the, uh, in the late teens. So. Yeah, That's kind the, of where I'm at. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Theo and I did, definitely did that in a, uh, a RotoWire wire uh, online championship uh, last week. We, yeah. we we kept getting sniped at tight ends. So we were just like, yeah, screw it. We're, but you guys ended just... up going, what, Gerald Everett pretty late, like in the mid-teens now? Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty late
5: gerald everett falls big time in nffc
2: and ffwc like you get him like free um you get hunter henry your boy andrew you get under hunter henry's free in a lot of these um david Njoku's free so like there's guys that are free in those formats um i know that dan's not the biggest njoku guy but uh he's free so there's something to be said with that um one guy who's not not quite free but it seems like we could be looking back a couple months from now, kind of laughing at his ADP. Um, Last night at an FFWC draft, mind you, it's a four point passing touchdown uh, format where the quarterbacks get slightly pushed down um, because of the two flexes. I got Pat Mahomes in the eighth round. Uh, He's going at like the four or five turn on underdog right now. Is the fantasy community correctly pricing Mahomes? He's like QB three almost everywhere, and once in a while he goes a little, little further down. Uh, perhaps somebody takes a Lamar Jackson ahead of him. Are we missing? Are we mispricing him? Like a truly elite talent that that this is the cheapest he's gone since you know his breakout um, first year starting in Kansas City. Or do you think this is something that could really come back to bite us, Pat? Kind of where are you at on Mahomes?
3: We like almost have to be mispricing him, right? I mean, it feels like. I think one of the issues is that some of the quarterbacks... I don't really get the way the quarterbacks are being drafted this year. Like, Josh Allen goes and then, like, two or three rounds pass and the next guy will go. And I'm not that much more confident in Allen than the other guys. So, you you know, you have a chance to get Herbert, Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler much later. Um, you could throw Hurts in there. So, I, I don't have as much Mahomes as I'd like because... Like I said, we were prioritizing Kyler, um, but I mean, you could see this being a massive season for Mahomes. There's no reason that he needs to take a step back just because the targets aren't going to funnel as heavily to one elite talent. Like, I think in some ways, like the offense should be very functional with Marcus Baldus Scantling as a deep threat. He does that particular skill quite well. I don't, I don't really see him developing into like a ton more than kind of that the, the, the one trick pony deep threat, but that keeps defenses honest. I think Sky Moore has a lot of upside, especially as the season goes on. Juju, the reports have been very strong on him. Kelsey's still Kelsey. So the offense I think is set up to continue to really uh you know be driven by Mahomes. It's built completely around Mahomes. They it's Andy Reid. Andy Reid <laughs> Andy Reed is gonna run a pass first a pass heavy offense. Uh there's really no reason, I think, to get nervous about Mahomes, it just feels, he just feels underpriced. Uh, I think, you know, I, I have a lot of exposure in best ball. I feel like I, maybe I'm not being aggressive enough in the main event, because uh, like I said, getting getting Kyler, getting Herbert, I think we have one share so far, but I'd like to have more at these prices.
4: Right, yeah, like yeah, mean, uh, JD and I just picked him up in the sixth round in uh, football guys uh yeah, early awesome. six for sure but you know it, it, it's it's like you see value like that and it's it's really hard to lay off it uh for me and I you know and the other the other part of the equation is in Kansas City I mean the you know oh we're all we're all you know swooning over Pacheco and all that but I mean the running game is a shit show and we all know it and Andy Reid knows it and so you know that means the offense is definitely going to be flowing through Mahomes' arms and sometimes his legs. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Mahomes run in seven or eight touchdowns this year. I, like I that. think that's
2: an awesome. That's an awesome take, Dan. It's kind of like the unknown upside of his running ability. He's been so effective, and if it's kind of like a Superman season, um, that's a. I love that take, Dan. I mean, I think he's a guy that we want to try to get more of. Um, it seems like the quarterback position is just kind of devalued, but it's crazy to me to see 30 pick difference between Josh Allen and Mahomes in certain drafts. Um, Andrew, do you, do you have any Mahomes? I know like a lot of your builds, um, you know, you're ending up with some good quarterbacks, but do you have a lot any Mahomes yet?
5: Yeah. I've got a couple early football guys where I drafted Mahomes. Um, I think that those are Mahomes Kelsey teams. Again, I, you know, what, I, I, it's not time for the que- it's not time for the question, but I'm worried that I'm, I'm having more, more problems with this quarterback tight end early situation than I originally thought. Now that you kind of pick, picking and poking holes at it, yeah, no, I I, I have, and I, I like I like pairing him with with Kelsey. Um, as you know, I'm not drafting a ton of juju uh, this this year, but I, I, I do like the Mahomes. I I feel even better after hearing Dan you know talk about the the rushing upside, which um, is something obviously I didn't consider. I just like the idea and value of Mahomes uh, when he came up in the drafts. You brought up MVS, Pat.
2: How are you? And I know, and I've heard some great takes you had on Sky Moore um, in your podcast with John Daigle. Um, what way are you approaching the the Kansas City wide receiver situation? And sort of, which one do you like the most at ADP? If you could pick one uh, one wide receiver to take in the Kansas City offense for your redraft teams?
3: For a while, it was MVS. For best ball because, uh, you know, I just feel like he's going to have his weeks, you know, and he's going to be out there. I don't have to worry about him, I think, you know, earning a role or whatever. Like he's, I think, going to have a very specific season-long role in the offense. For season-long though, I haven't been as, I mean, picking when to start him doesn't seem that fun. So I like, I like betting on Sky Moore as this kind of breakout bet. He's a really strong prospect. Uh, He kind of has everything you're looking for, except for the fact that he went to a small school, but then you know the fact that he was a three-year player, getting a chance to get drafted in the uh, in the second round. That's a rare profile. We we rarely see that. Devonte Adams, the last guy like that to come out of a non-power-five school as a three-year player and get drafted in the second round. Uh, now, I mean, he could t- he could take three years to turn into anything like Adams did. Uh, so I do think there's a you know the, still a red flag with the the small school profile. But I mean, he was awesome in the intermediate area of the field. He was terrific after the catch. That yak ability was not gadgety stuff. It was, you know, kind of the stuff I think that will work really well in an Andy Reid offense. You know, it's getting him the ball over the middle and slants and kind of staple routes and that type of stuff. Uh, Dwayne McFarland has shown that he was one of the guys who was really efficient on kind of NFL staple routes, uh, you know, like slants. So he's someone that I think is, you know, the eighth round type of value. You can probably afford to, to sit on him for a few weeks and wait for him to come on and kind of beat this late-season hammer. But honestly, I've not been on Juju very much in best ball. He is someone that I have been interested in in the main event because I think the range of outcomes is probably fairly wide on him, and I think the upside is, is really high uh, if he is the guy from a few years ago. And I think there's reasons to be skeptical of that. But if he is that guy... I mean, it could be awesome. And I and he's not priced at a level where like you absolutely have to have him be a star. Like if you miss on a fifth round pick, you can survive that. But he I think he does strike me as a dude out of the fifth round who could be like a real game changer for your team. So And and he I mean, showed us
1: the top ten. He showed us a top ten already, you know, with Ben. So now he's going yep. to Mahomes So that like you said.
3: Yeah, I, I think you got I mean, I've to me, you know, you get your McCall Hardman and your MVS in best ball, but I, I am drafting those guys and you know, I'm more interested in Juju in the main event. I'm taking Sky Moore in all formats. But get your Chiefs. Are we ever gonna get this again where you can get Chiefs this cheap? The start you know, the late fifth round or whatever is the first the first guy off the board from the wide receivers? Like this feels like a real opportunity here. And so I, I would be less interested in being exactly right on which guy you have to have than being right about this is the year to draft cheap Chiefs. Chief Chiefs.
2: Would you ever consider drafting Juju and Sky Moore in the same FFPC main event? Obviously, yeah. if you have Mahomes, that would be great. But if you don't have Mahomes, just as a bet on a potential top two in Kansas City?
3: We did it, yeah. we And uh, one of the drafts out of the 11, we took Juju five um, Didn't end up getting Mahomes. Uh, played for him to come back. Because we had Elijah Moore, we were able to get him in the sixth. And got Kyler to fall to us. We ended up stacking him up later with Rondo Moore. And then we got uh, Kyler seventh, Sky Moore eighth. So, yeah, I think that's that's totally fine. To me, Sky Moore's path on the field is through Mikko Hardman. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things about Juju is that, like, I think he's been upset with how much he's been in the slot. When he was at his best, he was only playing about two-thirds of his snaps in the slot. So... Yeah, he's going to play a lot in the slot, but I don't think he needs to be exclusively a slot receiver. His upside scenarios involve him not being exclusively a slot receiver, I think. But then also, Sky Moore was versatile. He played both in the slot and out wide throughout his college career, and he had some of his best production while out wide. So both guys, I think, need to be in the slot some, but you can have them kind of rotating. With which guys outside and which guys in the slot, and they can be on the field together. I think with MVS as kind of a clear cut, you know, clear out route type of guy, and those guys really operating in the shallow and intermediate areas and racking up a ton of targets. And Meekole Hardman, I think, probably best suited is like, you know, a gadgety, you
5: know, fourth wide receiver depth speedster type of guy. Thought experiment, Pat. Two two v two. Your favorite, and I think I know the answer that you do. Would you would you do Elijah Moore and Kyler? Or Mahomes and what, Alave or Ayuk? Would, would you trade that to get the Mahomes paired up with the Juju and the uh, in the Sky more? Or would you keep it the way that you did with Elijah and Kyler? I
3: think Elijah and Kyler. Um, although, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm open to the idea that, that Mahomes and Ayuk is the better pairing. That feels very close to me. I guess it's,
5: it's tight. It's tight,
3: yeah. Moore's more's it, it, exciting, it's tight, though. But...
5: Yeah. <laughs> But who? Yeah, I mean, who? Who even knew at that point whether whether you get you know Kyler back? So I think that was good value. I think you got him on the ball. Yeah,
4: and the and the Kansas City uh, strength of schedule against pass defenses weeks fifteen through seventeen is you know, it's it's pretty pretty tasty. Uh, you you're going at Houston, Seattle at home, Denver at home. Uh, you know, and we know that uh, Kansas City and Denver can definitely shoot it out sometimes. So uh, you know, it's not as if that that's destined to be a low scoring game or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I like that, uh, you know, that championship run schedule um, and being able to stack up a couple 3 pukes there.
2: How are you handling the running back position right now in Kansas city, Pat?
1: What's going on with your boy Rojo?
3: I, well, you asked about Kansas city, so I don't know why we're talking about Rojo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where's my air horn, man? Where the hell is my air horn?
3: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that. <laughs> it feels tougher uh, for me. I, I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is very good. So that makes it, it tough. I mean, he's, you know, there was probably some really good prices on him early, but he seems to be moving up. Um, but I don't really know why. If Pacheco's, you know, displacing everybody, I don't know why he'd stop with Rojo. Um, so... I don't know. I feel like I kind of missed the boat on Pacheco. I don't like chasing him up. I mean, I've seen him go on the seventh and he like consistently goes in the ninth. now I don't, I don't want to be chasing him up there. Um, I know he's fast and everything and he's a bigger dude, but he was, he was not productive. Um, and I've seen clips and stuff of him, like missing obvious holes and not running the right place. So it does, <laughs> it seems like maybe he really is the new Rojo, you know, uh, <laughs> but I don't, for me right now, I'm like, I think, think mckinnon's the way to play it you're getting he's fallen like everyone's like well mckinnon yes. basically like they're gonna cut both rojo and mckinnon's like no they're not gonna they're cut one of them you know and it's sound and it's probably rojo the guy's not played any snaps in the home so mckinnon you get a chance to see what his role is week one you can throw him back at his you know late double digit prices it costs you nothing and ceh has been particularly bad in the passing game, which is weird because he was kind of drafted to be this passing down back, but he's not been efficient at all. He's consistently gotten passed by other backs, including McKinnon, last year in the playoffs on those passing downs. So, you know, you can play McKinnon as this kind of, you know, standalone value receiving back, but maybe kind of like Darrell Williams, he starts to earn more and more over this, the course of the season. So uh, it's become McKinnon for me of the way to play it. If CH were to fall again, If the pacheco hype got really out of control then he would become interesting at a certain point but uh he just has to be really cheap for me because i i'm very dubious of his talent level pivoting
2: over the second round wide receivers have been kind of like a cheat code on the last few years you've seen a lot of big breakouts besides like the obvious names like jamar chase and and jalen waddle um, who are your favorite second-year wide receivers to target right now in drafts? Um, are, and are there any under-the-radar type second-year guys that you think people should be a little more excited about?
3: Yeah, we've talked about Bateman. We've talked about Moore. I like, I like both those guys. Uh, I think Kyle Pitts is basically the second-year wide receiver. You should think about him like that. Waddle's pretty well-priced. I, I don't think he's like a smash where he's going. I think, you know, very appropriate uh, ADP. But I like him. Uh, I think Devontae Smith is, like, a little undervalued. Not someone I really expected to be on, but he's going, you know, there's a pretty big gap between him and Moore usually. And uh, I like getting him where you're getting some upside that maybe his role has changed from last year. He's a deep threat last year. It's not really who he was in college. I think maybe A.J. Brown helps change his role to where he's seeing more kind of intermediate targets. There's obviously scenarios where he just gets buried by A.J. Brown um, but his he's priced at a level where, you know, you can survive that and take the upside swing on him. The under the radar guy I would say is probably Rondale Moore. Um, I think specifically for, you know, the main event, football guys, really any kind of managed leagues, like we're gonna get a lot of information on him in week one. Right? Like last year they didn't play him at all, but I think it was actually kind of smart that they didn't because what they did is they kept Christian Kirk in the slot and uh, they did not move Kirk to the outside once DeAndre Hopkins was hurt. Kirk was playing very well in the slots. So they kept him there. They brought in Antoine Wesley. That kind of boxed out Rondell Moore. But now with Kirk gone, they've got Marquise Brown. They've got AJ Green. Both those guys very much outside wide receivers. It makes all the sense in the world to have Rondell Moore playing a full time role out of the slot. If we get that, I think very bullish. If we don't get that, maybe wait around a week two, But like we're we're cutting bait. If he if he's not playing a full-time role very early in the season. He's definitely not going to be playing a full-time role when DeAndre Hopkins gets back. So you get a lot of information week one. You also get a lot of information over the first six weeks just about how good he is, how efficient he is. And if he's very efficient, then I think maybe it's A.J. Green who sees his playing time reduced considerably when Hopkins is back because that would kind of make sense to keep the slot guy in the slot and have DeAndre Hopkins playing a lot on the outside. That's a pretty sweet three-wide receiver set if Rondell Moore is as good as we thought he might be coming into the league. So... He feels like someone who's got a really strong ceiling for uh, the price. I mean, a really high ceiling, I think, for the price. He gets you off to a fast start if you need a wide receiver there. Uh, you know, Maybe he went a little more running back heavy up front. I mean, he he could have a lot of production over those first six weeks. Uh, And then you also have multiple kind of obvious exit points where you're like, you know, that he's not been what I thought he was going to be. And this is a clear point where he's not going to be a roster clogger. He's not going to be, you know, one of these rookies that, you know I like drafting rookies, but sometimes you hold on to them for too long because you don't know whether it's time to move on yet. So he's he's a really nice, uh, well-priced second-year guy, I think.
5: And where and Pat, would, I'm, where would
3: you, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was, I,
5: st- stupid comments. Let me get out of the way, Theo, and then you can go. And I know JD has a promo. J- Pat, I'm just glad you guys are finally on the the pitbull, the Mr. Worldwide brothers, the Wandale and the Rondale. So you know, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm I'm all over that. I love lo- lo- love love the pitbull brothers. All right, Theo. Real question. You go and in promo where would you be comfortable pushing
2: Rondell more uh like in in FFPC where would you be comfortable drafting him that you think you'd get a good return on your investment and the the, the you know because you see certain boards where wide receiver might get pushed up certain boards where it falls where are you comfortable taking Rondell more
3: uh I think by like the eighth round you can you can do it um I probably wouldn't do in the seventh, but I think by the eighth, we had a decision in like our first draft where uh, we wanted, I kind of was more on Chase Claypool and Ben Gretsch was very much, you know, thinking like, well, hey, let's talk about Rondale. Um, Or maybe we go running back to play for Rondale, but basically, you know, Rondale should have been the guy there, not Chase Claypool. Obviously this is before the Pickens emergence. Uh, So clearly in retrospect, (laughs) I really wish we went more there. But even at the time, I think more was probably the right decision. Uh, and I think that would have put us at a ninth or tenth round more, which would have been real sweet. But, yeah, I think right around the eighth round, like there's kind of a drop-off there. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's he's fine in that range.
1: Cra- crazy Hopkins right now being disrespected. I just picked him up in the ninth round of a, a best ball oh, wow. tournament on, on FFPC, the 125 buy and stacking him with uh, Murray and, and Marquise. But uh, I find nice. he's being disres- disrespected big time. If you can get him at a value, grab him.
4: Yeah, he really falls in some drafts. I mean, you know, there. I've, I've seen a lot of drafts where he's going right where he should, but uh, there are others where he just he mysteriously falls way down.
1: Dan, let me just throw in. Uh, sorry, Theo, I gotta. I got. Yeah. Andrew was trying to help me out, and then I totally threw it off the rails with with my my uh, looking at my board here. But uh, we gotta we gotta give a quick word to our partners uh, at the FFPC guys in the descriptions of the of the show the comments of the show I have posted all the links uh, to our partners myffpccom where you play against the best play the best platform and I, and I gotta say this their app right now is awesome um, I keep forgetting to mention that I'm uh, I, I'm one of those where I had the app initially I wasn't you know I was using it more on my browser but recently I've been forced to use it more on my phone and man, it it makes it nice to draft on there if you're forced uh, to use your phone or if that's your favorite. So check out myffpc.com right now. They got some awesome tournaments, including the the BBT, the the best ball tournament for 200 grand. They've got a super flex $35 buy-in for uh, 10 grand for first place. They've got the main event. They've got the football guys for 500 grand. You could play for up to a million guys. Check out myffpc.com. And then you'll see a link down there for underdog. And Viridian Global, Theo. Back to you, brother.
2: We we had a question in the chat. Where are you at on the Sun God? i on Ross Saint Brown?
1: I like
3: him. I think uh, I don't know that we have him yet because he tends to go just like a little bit earlier than we've been. Like we had we got kind of sniped on him uh, on the board. I'm looking at at the five eleven. He went five ten. Uh, I we would I personally would have been arguing for him over Juju. So I, I'm a fan. Uh, he does seem to be kind of moving up. One of these guys I'm probably not getting enough of because he's moving up boards. But yeah, I think the, the type of profile that you do want to bet on, even though is very boom bust. But one of the, thing, the weird things about him was that he was a really strong prospect if he got draft capital. Then he didn't, he was a day three guy. So that kind of put me off of him more than I should have been. Um, but now that he's, produced the team clearly views him as like a key piece of the offense like that's sort of some of that draft capital right like a team assessment is backing him and everything and you know he's got the opportunity part locked in it seems like so uh yeah i know you know it was kind of just this stretch run where he had all these targets and guys were hurt and stuff but it makes a lot of sense that jared goff loves throwing to his slot receiver that's exactly what he he did in L.A., that's why he was I'm St. Brown's getting pushed up correctly above where you would have expected um, based on draft capital in Dynasty Leagues because people were making that same connection and it turned out to be true. So, yeah, I, I think he makes a ton of sense in the fifth round. Um, you know, kind of part of that 5-6 turn mix. Uh, nice value there.
4: What, what about Kadarius, Tony? Where you at on him, Pat?
3: I've started to, like, get a little bit nervous about Tony. I was drafting a lot of him. Um, he's... I just worry, like, I, I know he's super talented, but there's also, like, a reason why he didn't play a ton. There was, like, trade rumors, and, uh, you know, he seems to be, like, constantly kind of dealing with something nagging. Uh, I, in a weird way, I wonder if he's, like, better in best ball type of thing where it's, like, we never know when it's going to happen, you know? When, he, when, when he's, like, fully healthy and, and, you know, up to speed and everything, he just crushes, but he feels like he could be a little bit tough and kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know. I just, I just worry that he's not going to be available uh, for the whole season based on, you know, some of the reports out of camp and stuff. But I mean, maybe that's just me being a little bit too nervous about it because where he's going, there's a ton of upside. So mm-hmm. I probably just need to, I probably just need to man up and take him.
4: Let, let me throw a couple quick quick uh, on the clocks at you. If you're on the clock, uh, Tony or Christian Kirk,
1: Tony, yeah, Tony's way more exciting. Come on, Kirk is yeah, just boring, Tony. man. It's just
4: I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting getting a little to get better. Side of ball I, 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 I wanted get to a lob a softball in there, just make sure he's, you know, <laughs> that, that was ready get for the All right, uh, Tony or Sky? Moore? Do I get to play the ADP game?
3: Because then I'd probably go Tony and hope to get more. <laughs> no, you don't get to play the ADP
4: game. You're gonna, you're gonna lose more. Give me if more you, if you don't take him down. Wheeler right. likes Kirk <laughs> there. <laughs>
2: Guys, I took I took Christian Kirk last night. I think uh I, I took a Christian Kirk
5: share, Andrew, in the seventh round. This is a situation where like Wheeler tell like tells on you. I hey Wheeler, from from now on I need to know when Theo's taking Kirk without my knowledge. Is <laughs> 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 it added to the Hunter Henry alert. I, No, I think I'm
2: I'm reading this as Wheeler being on the Kirk train.
5: No, I no, I know that he is. I'm saying I need to know.
2: Yeah, I'm not. No, I, I took him I took him last night. I'm just kind of warming up to the fact that I think he's going to get peppered with targets. I think he's got a, a, a path to wide receiver two land. Um, again, I love Tony. I've drafted a lot of Tony, but I think that's a that's a difficult question because Tony's not out there, um, and Kirk is seeing this. Could see this massive target share, and they're having Kirk operate out of the slot. Um, he's interesting. Um, I have one other second-year wide receiver. Kind of where are you at on? And we talk about like the last couple of wide receivers we get really kind of comfortable drafting um nico collins is a guy that i love getting um in my builds um i think he's still affordable are you kind of buying into it a little bit pat or are you still very skeptical
3: i haven't really been buying into collins as much uh it's not an offense i want a lot of pieces of he wasn't that good as a rookie he wasn't terrible but he's kind of in a like yards per out run type of bucket where i was like you know you He's, he's sort of like Donovan Peoples-Jones or something. Or it's like, really, you know, you, he's going to be probably um, basically a bet on athleticism. And you're hoping maybe he's like Terry McLaurin or something. But because he didn't really, really flash as a rookie, uh, I'm not, like, super excited about him, given the offensive context. And Brandon Cooks has shown that he can earn a ton of targets and really be kind of a target hog there. So, uh, and to be honest, I think Brevin Jordan... Might be, I've you know. It seems like he's actually going to get a lot of playing time, and he's like a legit receiver from the tight end position. So uh, I actually don't know if it's quite as wide open in terms of the secondary
4: target as as people might assume. My my most
1: owned tight end on FFPC, Mister Brevin Jordan. Let's get him started. If,
4: if if Brevin is the second most targeted guy on Houston, we are all way way too low on him. There's no doubt. We have a that. we have a we have a lot of Brevin Jordan in the, in between yes, us collectively, do. and the exactly. I'm we're more than, than happy to way. have plenty, but I mean, he he should be going like in the eighth round or something like that if he's going to be second second targets on uh, Houston because they're going to be throwing a lot. Uh, you know, for me, A-lon. And you know, like later in the same round or something close to that. I think you broke
3: up there for me. I think you oh, broke, up a I think bit, broke up for a second.
4: Sorry. Uh, yeah, it, it, for me, Nico is hard to draft because you can always get DJ Chark later in that round, generally. So I'm I'm going Chark almost every time.
2: Is there any other second-year wide receivers we want Pat's uh, opinion on, guys? Or are we we good to move on?
4: I think we hit pretty much all of them. Didn't we? Aside from we've Josh Palmer's
5: we've... concussion, I don't I don't know if you want to. No. Yeah, he looked he looked pretty good. I don't know if his profile was good is there,
3: though. I think he's pretty solid. I, he's similar to Nico for me, where he, like you're not—he didn't show that much, but he plays mm-hmm. on the Chargers, so I'm just more interested.
5: Yeah. I'm, no, I'm only done, normally done taking wide receivers at that point, uh, at the Collins and Palmer. But if, if they're there and they slip past ADP, I don't mind taking them. Yep. And Andrew
2: usually has seven or eight by the time Nico's being oh, yeah. drafted anyway. So I've so been, I've been, good. I've been
5: really good this year. I think I don't think I'm going too crazy, especially Hunter
1: Henry. He loves Hunter Henry.
5: Uh, good grief. I like that. Those are the first words out of JD's mouth.
4: (laughs) JD pops right in to
5: say
1: that. I couldn't miss the opportunity. I jumped right in.
2: So one one player who seems kind of universally loved, you can't really find an analyst who's kind of off of him. I I took him at the and you know full disclosure. I took him at the two three turn in an FFPC main. Um, It's Michael Pittman. Is he a player that? is maybe being drafted at the, the peak of his outcomes, though? Like, does that kind of factor in where, you know, let's say you're drafting from the one or the two spot and you really want to put a hammer on top of a, you know, Taylor or McCaffrey build? Is, is Pittman that guy? Um, what, what way are you approaching Michael Pittman right now,
3: Pat? He's not that guy for me, but I'm sort of getting, like, scared to death of it because – like you said, like there's no one that's out on him, and I'm not out on him. I just when I look at who else I can take there, like to me putting that hammer on, I'd rather do it with you know T Higgins and AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Than Same. I, or, I love DJ Moore. You know, like if he was going where, if it was like Michael Pittman or Mike Williams, I would be taking Pittman, and I feel good about it, but. Moore's ADP has also made it tougher because I like Moore more than Pittman. And, and maybe, you know, not maybe. I'm clearly on an island there. But uh, it, it just makes it tough where it's like, I want to get my, my, I think getting more exposure is really nice right now because I don't get why his ADP hasn't moved up more with Baker Mayfield. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, is Pittman being drafted as ceiling outcome? No. Like he could be on the one-two turn next year, I think. So it makes me nervous that I've got these kind of Preferences towards the other wide receivers in the range, it's making it hard for me to get really even with the field on Pittman or really have much exposure at all in the main event, I think. Like, I'm worried that we might, like, full fade Pittman this year, which seems bad. But at the same time, like, you only get a chance to draft, you know, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown on this, this one-two turn. Like, we might only have, like, three chances to do that. You know, and we, we're not going to get – the, you know, we already got sniped on AJ Brown in one of those cases. So um yeah, he's he's definitely like one of those guys that I'm worried about missing the boat on because he feels like probably half a round too expensive in my opinion, but at the same time he's not priced at a level where it's like, you know, a clear fade.
2: Dan, you're where are you kinda at? I know you we've talked about him over the last couple of weeks. Um like, if you're if you get the first overall pick, is is Pittman in your consideration at that two at the uh at the two three turn? I think Dan might be uh, oh,
1: is David he frozen?
4: Order.
2: He might be frozen. Um, there he, maybe yeah, you go. I, I, I froze take,
4: up. Here we go. Back. He's back. Maybe back. Yes, <laughs> is, yeah. Is, I, I, I were like Pittman. was saying this, yeah. Um, I, I have no problem drafting him uh, where he's going. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got a ton of upside with uh, with Matt Ryan versus uh, you know Carson Wentz, who is putting up with last year. Uh, you know, and Ryan Ryan's not afraid to target the crap out of somebody. So, uh, you know, and that's a that's an offense that I think is probably going to be passing a lot more. I mean, Reich has gone you know basically gone out and said we don't want to run uh, Jonathan Taylor near as much as we have last year. Um, so, you know, I. I get that he's probably not going to be, you know, one of the top three wide receivers, but I also think he's probably not going to fall out of the top eight. So, uh, you know, that's a guy I can I can easily get behind because, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't you don't have to win every single pick. Sometimes you just got to hold serve. Hmm.
1: And, and Pat, and I don't know. That's a great point. Great point, Dan. Sorry, I just want to throw in, I don't know, Pat, if this, like for me, it's like you've, we've already seen it, right? Like T. Higgins already given you that top 12. Like you haven't seen it from Pittman yet same with aj brown right you've seen aj brown give you like weak winning numbers so for me i i'll always lean when it's close the guy who's shown it to me especially at the receiver position because we've seen it in the past where higher chance that you'll see those guys in the top 12 again if they've already been there so that's where it and then you mentioned the guys that you take Pittman ahead of and that's kind of i think where the the sweet spot is andrew do you, do you disagree with that you have anything different i know you're the wide receiver king you love to piss yellow yeah at. I, I
5: was i was running social at that point jd and uh wasn't paying attention at all to what you just said Saw some dude drinking a uh, beer through a hot dog straw and then i asked a question in the chat so you're gonna have to take that one away from me thank you what's a hot dog what's a hot dog straw <laughs> some dude at the yankees game stuck a straw through a hot dog and started drinking his beer through it. John Boy uh posted the video just before we went live here. So, I guess I guess that's that a, I guess that's a good question for uh for Pat. Which uh which wide receiver uh which uh you know is like drinking a uh a beer through a hot dog straw for you? Which which wide receiver makes you sick to your stomach doing it?
2: That's your Adam Thielen, Andrew. That's your Adam. Yeah, oh yes.
5: Yes, good point. Yes, absolutely yes. Adam Thielen for me. Which I'll never do it though. Never. No feeling. I don't – I'm not drafting Keenan and, you know,
3: I Is just feel Kenan like – Keenan
5: a hot dog straw guy now?
3: I mean, wow.
2: Aren't we taking
5: oh Mike Williams God. if we
1: get there? It's zero. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. Oh, no. I, am, I,
2: I am Mike Williams over Keenan officially. I took Mike Williams yeah. last night. I think it's yeah,
1: – Every time.
2: You're looking at like the – Keenan needs a ton of targets to return value where he's being taken. Mike Williams could have 20 less targets – and still outscore him potentially. And if Keenan Allen's targets go down even like ten percent, I think he's toast where he's being drafted. So I don't know. I'm on. I'm on the Williams Williams train. But Thielen's not quite hot dog straw for for, for me. Andrew, he just happens to be. He just happens to be old. He just happens he's, to be he's, old.
4: He's too cheap to be the hot dog straw guy. I mean, one hundred percent. I I don't think there are any hot dog straw guys in that round. <laughs>
2: I'll say I'll say Robert Woods is a hot dog straw guy for me. I know like, that we're buying into like the uh, Bur- Burks is struggling, but I think like you know I gotta change the Burks, name
1: of the show, man.
2: The hot dog straw night. With Where are Scott.
3: you guys at on Burks? Because he hasn't I'm, fallen as much as as I thought. he He's still in.
5: His ADP ADP's held. I'm still in.
4: Yeah, value. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, too. it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, right, that pretty makes much me anybody else who's had the drumbeat of negative press that he's had.
5: I'm
1: a like, proponent of asthma, bad. so I'm I'm all I'm all in the Berks stream. <laughs>
4: At the end of the day, we have a coach
2: who said he would cut off his manhood to win a Super Bowl. I think he's going to be able to get his best players on the field uh, in order to win. Um, I don't buy into the Vrabel's is going to hold a a grudge when it's going to be like Westbrook Ekine, and like Robert Woods (laughs) and Austin Hooper as the way to move the ball. So I, I, I think that they're kind of, they're in too deep. And at the end of the day, I believe in Burks. And right now you get Burks in like the 10th round. We've seen multiple drafts, big money drafts where Romeo Dubs has gone ahead of Traylon Burks. It's crazy. It's so I, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask Pat if
1: he thinks Dubs or, or Pickens or one of these guys that are that are on fire right now with you know in fantasy land or, or do any of those become hot dog straw guys?
3: Dubs is is getting close, right? I mean, it's a day three guy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was like advocating for not Dubs to start. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't seem great. You know, I don't know. I mean, that seems like. Remember Tajay Sharp and, like, it's like, oh, he's, he's going to start. He's going to start. It's, like, still a day three guy. You know, you got to be careful. Pickens, I think, uh, the steam makes a lot more sense. He probably would have been, like, an early first-round wide receiver if he didn't tear his ACL. Uh, really productive right out of the gate uh, at Georgia. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he still got drafted pretty early in the in the second round. So, uh, the, the overall offense makes it a little hard, but... I think from a prospect profile perspective, I can get behind it, uh, him getting kind of steamed up boards. I mean, we took Sky Moore over him in, in one of our most recent drafts last week, and then it's like, who are we to judge? Like, if you're we're drafting second-round wide receivers in the seventh round or whatever, like, you can – Pickens is certainly uh, able to come off the board anytime before or after that pick, I think, so –
2: We've talked about a lot of these fourth and fifth round wide receivers. And if you look at an NFFC or FFPC board, FFWC, it's like straight yellow. It'll be like, you know, out of 24 guys, there'll be like 15 yellow. Are there any wide receivers going in the fourth or fifth round that you don't want exposure on? And I'll bring up two names that you haven't talked about tonight. DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, two guys who've had great fantasy success. They're going in this range now. We have questions about their potential offense potential roles kind of where are you out on those Is avoid any avoids in the fourth and fifth and and kind of your thoughts on those two
3: no I think those guys are in play for sure they're not like my favorite of the of that tier but um Deontay you I know mean, I mean in terms of like the best ball stuff Deontay will fall to the sixth round sometimes when these draft kings uh rooms uh I mean I, I think I'm way overweight on Deontay and best ball uh DK Probably, you know, someone that I'm not quite as excited about just because of the how bad the offense could be. But I don't know. Geno Smith is like somewhat competent. You know, it's still DK Metcalf. So that both those guys, I think particularly DK, the risk is like a pretty priced in. Looking at the most recent board we did, he went wide receiver 30. Like he's not. There's not 29 wide receivers better than DK Metcalf. So I don't know. I think he's he's pretty good there. The guy, some of the guys I like a lot I think Gabe Davis I'm still I'm still in even though uh, you know he's obviously gotten really pricey. it does not seem like there's really any threat to his playing time as the secondary outside wide receiver uh, and he was very good last year not just uh, obviously the playoff game helped but you know he I think could kind of he's sort of like maybe a year behind schedule as a day three guy. To where, you know, in some ways, it's sort of like his second year breakout because he spent his entire rookie season and most of his sophomore season just proving he should be on the field. Um, And so now he gets a chance to be out there all the time with Josh Allen. I think it would be really nice. And then I've been surprised Jerry Judy hasn't moved up more post-Tim Patrick injury. He's someone that's like – Sutton, it's like we're so sure. And I like Sutton, but, you know, he's like in the late third or whatever. Jerry Judy going, you know, 12, 14 picks later, like – that made more sense when it looked like Judy was going to have trouble getting a full slate of routes because Tim Patrick was going to be out there and, you know, he's more of the slot guy. But that's not the case anymore. They're not. It's not going to be like K.J. Hamler and Cortland Sutton in two wide receiver sets. Judy's going to be out there. So I've been surprised he's not more like in the mid-fourth, early-fourth.
2: Well, we had a Denver question, but you basically segued into it. Does the lack of a clear tight end one, looks like it might be a little more tight end by committee. Alberto Kubunum is – seems to be kind of dusted, and Dulcich is a rookie. Um, Does the lack of of clarity at the tight end position make you also more apt to draft the Denver wide receivers?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you talk about that. All of a sudden, the the targets might consolidate. In Denver, it looked like, you know, in June, like one of the most spread-out target trees in the entire league. You lose Patrick. The tight end by committee stuff, the the other tight ends are pure blockers. So they're not stealing any targets away from, you know, I mean, they'll steal a little, but way less than you know you might see from Howard o if he was out there all the time who's really flashed as a receiver so yeah, I think it definitely helps uh, at the at the margins and if it ends up being just Judy and Sutton here like I yeah I'd rather have Sutton but Judy could absolutely smash <laughs> you're getting him at the four or five turn uh, which he went uh last Friday the four or five turn it's pretty nice,
1: yeah the last main event he went uh five five Judy
4: yeah.
2: I think that's that's, you know, to me, Judy's becoming kind of a like a value. I mean, we see Sutton kind of get pushed up. Um, I'm definitely into Judy right now. Um, This is a question kind of for everyone. Uh, Sean Siegel and Ben Gretsch on uh, the Stealing Bananas podcast did an awesome, really, really well done uh, podcast. The second part, I think, is coming out, but they predicted the 2023 first round. Pat, I'd like to get your opinion on who you think are the top – you know, you can take them as far as you want, but at least your top two in the 2023 first round. We could stay in FFPC. Um, You could take it to the top three if you'd like, and then we kind of go around the horn.
3: Yeah, I I think Taylor. uh, Taylor and probably McCaffrey, and then I liked Ben's take on it being Chase as kind of – you know quarterback uncertainty in Minnesota potentially it seems like maybe they'll move on from Kirk Cousins and Chase I think has a very very good chance to emerge as kind of the clear best wide receiver in football paired with Joe Burrow offensive line looking a lot better it might be really easy to kind of envision just this absolutely dominant earth-shattering 2023 from Jamar Chase like I think he could potentially be the the 101 yeah. if, if this year is good enough but but I would probably bet on Taylor to be the 101 just because uh he he feels like that type of back where he's gonna like he could he could suffer a season ending injury injury and still be like the 103 or something like he's just so so good and so young that uh you know if he if he does kind of anything close to what we're hoping for this year we're gonna be betting on him in a big way next year as well for me i think it's
2: justin jefferson um one and chase two i think they're both like such transcendent talents um, I think we saw the wide receiver position get pushed up this year. And I think next year kind of takes it up a notch. Um, I think both those guys are going to smash. Um, and I think it's kind of like one propping the other one up. Um, and I think next year will be bang, bang, wide receiver, wide receiver. I understand the argument for McCaffrey, um, but I think he's just a little bit older. And I think there's always aegis in these high stakes drafts. So I'm going to go Jefferson and
4: chase with my one, two uh, Dan, where are you at? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, you know, this this is barring, uh, you know, like Javante Williams having some sort of a transcendent season or something like that, which could definitely push him all the way up there. Uh, I'm a lot less concerned about Cousins leaving Minnesota. I think, uh, you know, with O'Connell there, I you know, I don't think they're going to push out Cousins unless they've got a really, really good option uh, to replace him with. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think you know they've always managed to you know find a way to redo his deal so it works for you know at least this year, if not next year. And I think they'll probably find a way to do that again if uh, you know if 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 the offense plays the way that they want it to play. If it doesn't play that way, then Jefferson's not going to be in the picture for one on one anyway. So uh, you know, I guess the way I look at it is Cousins isn't going to keep you know, or lack of Cousins isn't going to keep Jefferson out of the one on one.
1: Andrew or JD. Yeah, you guys know my love for JJ. I mean, T I think T Higgins uh is what uh, deters Chase from from being the one on one. I think I think he's gonna be more significant. Uh we saw it in the playoffs, how he just you know gives you those those week winning weeks. I think that'll be more prevalent this week just as Chase gets more attention. And I mean, who's Justin Jefferson fighting targets with? Uh Thielen. We don't know what Andrew thinks of him. Herb Smith, we've never seen it. KJ Osborne is nice as a flyer, but you know, so for me, JJ will be the one-on-one uh, in my opinion, Andrew, you you disagree? No, I agree. I like, I like Pitts.
5: I like Dan just throwing out a million names and then just saying Javante too. Cause I, I, I like him and I, and I almost think that like Javante could be the one oh one, but like a a false flag one oh one. almost of like maybe they did it because of like the Broncos season or, Russell hustle and bustle made a man muscle Wilson and it kind of looks like it's all Javante and it maybe it looks like he's you know in, in line for historic season coming up and
1: who who is that who's Denver uh, back a few years back that you're just- CJ
5: Anderson uh,
1: Anderson gave you value this was a guy that never did anything and he was in Denver and I'm pretty sure he's- moreno Monty ball. Ma- ball. Oh, Monty, ball. Monty ball Monty ball that's it thank you Dad. yeah J- like, Javante Williams, that.
2: Javante Williams, false flag has to be
4: the.
1: Uh, has to be the, the, the <laughs> good. I don't know, so, Jav- so, Javante so, Williams. So, hot hard <laughs> <laughs> to be hard to beat. I don't know. Well,
3: can I ask you guys about where, you, how high you think AJ Brown could go? Because I feel like he could, he could rise yeah.
1: considerably. Uh, I, I love his value right now, man. He's he's beautiful. I have him up there with that top, with that uh, after that top tier. I'll, I'll take him.
2: I think that there's a, there's a good chance that he finds his way back in the first round. I think that there's a chance that we see. There's a scenario where I really hope it's not the scenario for Diggs because I have a ton of them. But there's a scenario where Diggs, where Lamb, because Lamb might not meet, meet, you know, there's a chance that Lamb loses value too. And then there's a chance that Adams, a year older, and Cup, a year older, all kind of lose a little luster. If A.J. Brown is like wide receiver six, and we think that his you know his role is gonna grow in Philly um, you know, with Jalen Hurts and they have this, you know, connection. You know, I think next year AJ Brown going at like the you know, somewhere inside that top twelve is is definitely definitely in the range of outcomes. Um, I might like that bet more than like, you know, you saying one of the two Miami uh wide receivers, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, would also potentially be in play with a smash. But I think AJ Brown like I think he'd be right there. And I think if AJ has a smash, a smash season and Michael Pittman has the kind of season that you are saying you think he could have, and that I'm hoping he has, I still think AJ would go higher than Pittman because AJ's always got the juice, especially
4: with the overhyped sleeper. <laughs> Definitely. You know, you know that I'm always an AJ 101 one guy. So um, I, 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 I am always on board with his, his chances of doing that.
2: Um, we we're getting a little little long here i want to get your zero rb uh running back targets and we could change the the, the name it doesn't have to be zero rb but who are your double digit round um rbs that you're really depth, happy to walk depth, away with right now
1: rbs your depth rbs just call them depth rbs well,
4: Or no, zero for pat RBS, those RBS are RBS his starters
1: yeah, oh, yeah what do you mean depth dude
3: <laughs> jd
2: mckissick no matter what
3: <laughs> um yeah, I mean Ramondre, who I was taken, and he's kind of gotten a little bit pricier now. There was there were days where you could get him in like the late ninth. Um, I still think he's somewhat in play. In, he's like, still the, fun to take, though. Yeah, he's still he fun. is still fun to take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it feels a little bit like you know you're getting you know you can get. I think Chase Edmonds is totally in play in the eighth round. Uh, it's kind of someone who's like got a job. Um, I like. Rashad Penny, I'm into in the ninth. We went in the ninth in uh the most recent draft we did. This I think this uh, Kenneth Walker stuff is like not something to be ignored. Uh I don't trust Pete Carroll at all. And uh, you know, if uh-huh. if Walker misses time, that's gonna open up you know, Rashad, opportunity for Rashad Penny to be in the exact same role he was in at the end of last season when he was on fire. Uh Rashad White has really been the guy that I'm trying to prioritize, like, more and more. Like, every time I kind of review things, I'm like, I really should be prioritizing White maybe even a little bit more. Obviously, the Tom Brady stuff or whatever is uh, a mild concern. But he's, like, a um, really, really strong receiving prospect in terms of his receiving efficiency coming out of college. And I do like that this offense, you know, they throw to the running backs on all downs. And so the bet with White to me is not that he displaces Leonard Fournette on third downs. I do not expect him to do that, but I do expect him to mix in if he's as good as I think he might be on early downs, and that then leads to him having some standalone value and then just massive contingency value. Uh, I think he'll I think he'll make short work of the other two running backs there, and I think one of those guys, if they keep all four, will be in a healthy scratch because Rashad White has been the starting kick returner, which means he's going to be active on game, day, game days, regardless of, you know, what their immediate plans are for him, uh, giving him a chance to mix in right away. So he's like a real priority for me. And, uh, you know, I don't know. This year's felt like kind of comfy in this like 9-10 range because like I think Patterson's totally fine there. Daryl Henderson, I like. Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter. Uh, Damian Harris went in the 11th on Friday. Damian Harris could be a starting running back. Like, you know, I like Ramandre more, but you know, at a certain price Damian Harris makes a ton of sense.
4: I mean, how many uh, how many touchdowns did Harris have last year? I was gonna say he's going between 15, he went 15 between touchdowns. 15 touchdowns, and touchdowns. And he's getting pushed into the double
1: digit rounds. He, he went between Hines and Julio Jones last night in the main event. Uh like that's or yesterday's main event at one PM. That's that's pretty crazy, man, when you think about what he did last year. Yeah.
3: It really is. Yeah. It,
2: so. it also, we talked about, you know, last week, Dan, how it just shows how kind of how, to, how sharp um, drafters are these days, that they're ignore, be able to kind of ignore 15 touchdowns. Maybe they're over-ignoring it, but we said, like, five years ago, Damian Harris is like a third-round pick based on that, um, and people are just smarter these days. Can you please talk about Khalil Herbert a little bit? Because this is J.D.'s favorite um, favorite double-digit round guy. Underneath his T-shirt right now is a Khalil Herbert uh, jersey. <laughs> um, do you have any any thoughts on Khalil?
3: I like Khalil Herbert. Yeah, the only thing that, that doesn't have me like really hammering him is that the Bears' uh, offensive line is, yeah. is terrible, and they seem to be setting up their second-year quarterback for failure, which is it's one of the most bizarre. It's been one of the most bizarre off-seasons for the Bears that I can remember it feels a little jaguarzy from last year. I got I got to be honest. I'm I'm getting some bad vibes on the Bears, but uh and you know, obviously the wide receiver room stuff, the you know, what's going on there as well. So, the overall offense I think could be like terrible. But David Montgomery, you know, everything looks real bad for him. You know, he's getting special team snaps and everything and um I think they they're changing up the system there in terms of like the the blocking style and everything. So, there's an opportunity here, not just with the new coaching staff, but, you know, potentially better fit for the scheme and everything where Khalil Herbert just passes David Montgomery. And we know David Mont- Montgomery is limited, right? He makes guys miss, but he doesn't really do anything after that. Um, and, you know, he's fine in the passing game, and he's not great. So, I, you know, Herbert, he showed a lot of juice last year, I think. I think he's talented. So he was a guy where, like, I thought maybe I'd missed the boat on a little bit. I thought there'd be, like, more steam on him, but probably just because of the general, like, Bears pessimism, he hasn't really rocketed up as Montgomery has kind of started to to really cool. Uh, so I, I think there's been a really nice opportunity to kind of fix, for me, being a little bit too low on him, you know, in kind of, like, June, July.
1: And, and is it possible, Pat, that if, because the offense isn't supposed to be good, like, you would think this offense is, like, firing in all cylinders, like, DeMont is going to have a huge season, right? Whereas, like, you know, this coaching staff, obviously, coming in, they're, they're not necessarily going to, you know, if the, if the team's doing amazing, obviously, Demon's probably running that ship, but because, like you said, the offensive line's disaster, the offense looks like a disaster, maybe there's a higher chance Khalil gets that opportunity to kind of get more of those touches, uh, even though the offense does look like it might be a little little shaky.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, they're not, I don't think they're married to any anything or anybody. Right. So, yeah. you know, they could easily just hand it over to, to Khalil.
2: Every single Goat District uh, guest since we got done with our rookie draft-focused uh, episodes has been asked one question. Besides Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup, which wide receiver would be your best bet to finish as wide receiver one overall? And you're welcome to give two answers here. Some, some guests have, have given two, or if there's one you want to hang your hat on, um, or a sleeper.
5: Hmm.
3: Well, I, I honestly think I would take AJ Brown. Right? I'm probably the other guy would be Diggs because he's in this he's in this great offense and he can, you know, consolidate target share and just be more efficient like he was two years ago and and get there. But it's the ceiling on AJ Brown is really epic. I mean, he's he's incredible. He's his no one's arguing against the talent. And <laughs> when you have a situation where uh you know the situ- the the situation is keeping the ADP for a particular wide receiver way down below where we ha- we'd have the talent i feel like we better be really really super confident in that situation and i don't really feel that we should be super confident that the eagles are going to be the super run heavy team as they were for parts of 2021 they actually even kind of pulled up from the super run heavy period that they had kind of in like the, you know, what like week 12, 13 type of range. They kind of went back towards being balanced uh, from when they were the most run heavy before. But they were quite pass heavy to begin the season. And then, you know, it's a team, it's a coaching staff that philosophically, it's not like these guys didn't come from like the Brable school or something. They're they're basically from like the Andy Reid tree, from, you know, the Reich tree. So I think they would prefer to have a pass first offense. They'd prefer to build, you know, their their team around playmakers in the passing game, as evidenced by the fact that they just traded for AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. And they've got Devontae Smith now in a secondary role, which I think is good. I think, you know, he he's a very good secondary option. Dallas Goddard, I think, potentially is a star at the tight end position. He he had a higher target share than Devontae Smith post Zach Ertz trade last year. He had over two yards per route run. I think he's going to be a lot for defenses to handle. If Smith is excelling as a secondary receiver, if Dallas Goddard is an elite tight end, and if AJ Brown is AJ Brown, this team's going to throw a lot. Like er, er, <laughs> Jalen Hurts is going to have to absolutely suck for them not to throw. Uh, I don't think they're going to be like the Bills, but they'll. I don't think they'll also kind of be this Titans-esque super run-heavy team. And you also have to keep in mind Brown's coming from the Titans. He's come. He's coming from a really run-heavy team. There's. There's a lot of room to grow, actually. We knew they were going to be run heavy in in Tennessee. We don't know that for a fact in Philadelphia. So I think that, yes, the the floor is is somewhat low with A.J. Brown with better target competition on, on a potentially run heavy team. But I think the ceiling is wide receiver one.
1: And the offensive line allows all those things to happen, right, Pat? Like, you know, Goddard becoming a star, them getting those targets out to the, these receivers. And Smith is, like you said, a very strong receiver too and might be a bit undervalued right now.
2: Andrew, what's your, what,
5: is your, what is your question? Oh, thank God, Theo. Yes, <laughs> Matt, one question for you. It's a game we play with – J.D., can you flash the board on the screen?
0: Pat, sure. It's a
5: game that the Goat District plays with all the guests, and it's called uh, Defend Andrew's Honor. Um, (laughs) so uh dan Dan and i were talking about this before we did our main so luckily i didn't do this to him but in the main that we drafted uh against each other last wednesday um and you guys did a stream for this you were team eight i was team six but we both had a similar one quarterback one tight end before round six construction so i went Allen fourth goddard sixth you all went uh, Kittle fourth round, uh, Justin Herbert sixth round. Uh, just c- can we have a conversation really quickly around you know typically that has been a you know more or less I'll just be extreme here a death sentence in FFPC. Do you see that still as a death sentence of roster construction uh, this year? Or and again leading question here how I was thinking about it. D- does the wide receiver tier get kind of flat there in five, six, seven maybe? To where you have some optionality uh as to how you want to build that team and so anyways the segment's called defend andrew's honor again so you should probably keep that in mind as, as you answer the question but uh <laughs> so, honest, so wait what honestly what are you worried things. is the death sentence the, the
2: early quarterback early tight yeah. end like and, I, uh, I, think, um, I, think tra-
5: I think traditionally it's, it's been pretty tough especially through round six and i think that's just because we've seen maybe it's dead zone maybe it's just the wide receivers like the cup and devo samuel like last year absolutely right. smashing you um, know, I'll, I'll just say before before you go, this, not my preferred construction as to what I did there with the Goddard in the sixth. Um, but if you look at that sixth round, there was just a ton of receivers totally cleared out, and still was able to get a few uh, interesting options. You guys were too with Devonta Smith in, in seven, and you with Drake London in seven. But I it just if if you could just speak a little bit about like how you see that what roster construction this year, and if you think that we're already dead in the water, or do you think that there's a real possibility just depending on how the draft board falls. Yeah. Like to me, I mean, what were you supposed to do
3: in round six,
5: you know? Yeah.
3: Like take Adam Thielen. Yeah.
5: It's fine. Hey, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so is is, is that just like a, how, how the board is this year? Like, like, I I think that like, you know, I I obviously subscribe to some of the, the running back or a lot of the running back dead zone stuff. But I've really seen these wide receivers, and it does suck when, tier, when the, the round five clears out. But man, like round six, seven, eight, like I think it's pretty flat. And as long as you can still get a couple of them, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay. Like how, how do you see those couple of rounds there? And like how, how just, just how flat is maybe six through eight, five through eight, I guess, depending on the, the draft.
3: Yeah, I, I think the running back dead zone stuff, yeah, I, I buy into it as well. And I feel like the market is buying into it in a big way. I mean, it does feel like, you know, a couple years ago, one of these – it's not like all the guys would just hang out there and hang out there and hang out there, but there would be like a couple that would, that would slip around and then you could, you could kind of, you know, build in the sixth round, get a guy that you felt really good about after, you know, two guys you love in the fourth and fifth or something. But here it's like, I mean, we got Elijah Moore at the end of the fifth that feels like you know this whole is going off, yeah. Uh, like before you pick once, and then the whole a whole tier goes off before you pick again. Uh, so to me, I mean the Josh Allen, uh, that he's tough for me this year because I do think he falls right into the tier where I want to get a couple guys. Uh, but then after that, like like I said, ton of Kyler. We have we have a Herbert pick, I believe we got in the sixth. Uh, want to get more Mahomes. In the six seven type of range uh so that part of the reason for that is that i think the wide receiver tier break is pretty big right around yeah. kind of round six even sometimes like towards the end of around five depending on how thirsty the the room is for wide receivers it, it you know i think it, you want to factor that into some of your early decisions um like in one of the drafts that we did last week, we ended up taking Travis Etienne in the third, after a, a massive run at wide receiver that I felt like left us without a wide receiver from that. And tier. I may be
5: even showing that board to be honest with you, Pat. It's yeah so that this was the one
3: we were out of uh, for this one we were out of the five. Oh sorry sorry yeah yeah
5: yep yeah, I'm one over yep.
3: Um, but we on this board we had uh, we had. Tyree Kill, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, AJ Brown, and DJ Moore all go off before our pick at yeah. 305, took Travis Etienne, and then we end up taking Brees Hall in the fourth round. My like instincts tell me it's fine, you'll get a wide receiver you love in the fifth. Didn't happen. The right. fifth round, it was like basically, you know, we were we were already down to to Elijah Moore, who I like, but like is our wide receiver two there. We end up taking Godwin, but as our wide receiver, too, yeah, Godwin's a pretty tough wide receiver, too, given his early season start. So right. I, I think the um, the rooms really do feel like they're prioritizing wide receiver more in 4-5. I think kind of a point of emphasis for the rest of my draft is going to be trying to make sure that if I haven't gone wide receiver in the, the first couple rounds, that I want to get two from that range before the tier break. Uh, I feel like there's another tier break kind of at the end-ish of round seven sometimes even before that it starts i don't know i've actually been frustrated and kind of you know the hot dog costume thing if we're all trying to figure out who did this like why is everyone taking all the wide
1: receivers now
3: a lot of hot dog talk tonight <laughs> yeah <laughs> there is. but it is frustrating when you know you advocate for
4: wide receivers early and You're everyone does it yeah. i like it why okay. do these hey, people kids. listen to me i don't get it yeah,
5: hey, <laughs> yeah. You, you, I don't. I don't know if you did that's a good job with the defending my honor, Pat, but I'll I'll, I'll accept it. That was. That I was think the Goddard pick.
3: The Goddard pick is fine. What I would say is, uh, you know, is Josh Allen, you set yourself up to
5: miss this quarterback tier. Uh, so
1: I, I think it's yeah, always it's phenomenal. always tough to be the first to take a quarterback. Yeah, in oh, one that's,
5: what, that's 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 why I said like the, in the post mortem was like the problem isn't Goddard. The problem is Josh Allen,
1: especially, right. especially yeah. when you're in the middle. Especially when you're in the middle, Andrew. Yeah. It's easier to kind of just. Fit in, you know, slide into that QB run whenever it starts. That's right. All yeah, right. I definitely dodged
3: you. defending, Your Honor. I will, I will cop to that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> all right, well, well, played. All right, I'm out of questions. Then that was it. That's all I really had on the agenda.
1: Theo, where are we at? Are we uh, we we let to we good to let Pat go? Man, we
2: we 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 got no, we're, we're, we got a, we got a lot out of Pat tonight. We got 90 very out of generous it. with your time. Yeah, we we appreciate it. At that. Um we're actually at a very a very rare goat district moment where Dan and I are on the clock to in a team we're combined with and Andrew and I are on a team on uh, that we're combined nice. with on the clock and I think Andrew and I might feel better about our what just happened um, the previous pick than Dan and I will but uh
4: little spoiler yeah. alert Dan yeah. yeah yeah well i i have already peeked ahead to uh see <laughs> and i mean you know the guy the guy did what uh, what any like person with a brain cell would do and took Jamar Chase at seven. So leaving us at eight with, yeah. Right. You know, it was like, you see Jamar Chase sitting there and you're one away and you're like, there's no chance that the drafter at seven is going to let Chase by. So, you, you Although know, I do have,
2: a, I have a Jamar Chase main event 110 share. I like to flex that on the go district as, oh, as often as possible. Yeah. So my Chase Swift team is <laughs> we all we right all want right to now. be
4: in those rooms. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's so if We can all be Theo. Huh? But the problem is when I'm in that room, I'm, I'm at like the 103. So yeah, cool. I totally miss out on it.
5: Hey J- JD, one one more T-shirt idea from a T-shirt intern before we go. In <laughs> uh, our main event, Theo Guilds and I uh, have a we, we've we've coined the term a uh, Tijuana Donkey Show, uh, out of Team Twelve. You, so he's he's you, an you, he, you coined that. It's excellent. <laughs> Nobody knows
2: what it means. Nobody. Yeah, so We need some
5: uh, Tijuana Donkey Show shirts, and you can you can
1: pick which <laughs> graphic you want to put on that JD. You're more than welcome <laughs> to, to choose from whatever clipart says. Man, our our we're uh, we're we're gonna owe our intern a lot of money with with all that yeah. between the graphic designers, the intern. It's, uh, these t-shirts are costing a lot. Uh, Pat, this has been great, man. We appreciate you jumping on, guys. Check out. I- I'm sure you already are, but just in case, you know the one-off that might not already have uh, Pat in their uh, in their Twitter follows at Pat Carain. No brainer. I love the good football show. I love that you've, you've been uh, added to the roster on there. It's it's definitely added a nice dynamic to it. We all enjoy ship chasing. So we appreciate you tonight, Pat. Thanks for joining us. Share anything else you want to share before we close this bad boy out. Uh, tomorrow I'm hoping to have
3: out my article on uh, legendary running back upside this year. Last year I did a, a series kind of talking about the target profile for early round running backs, the guys you can absolutely smash and win you your whole league. And I'm going through using that profile to look at this year's early round running backs and kind of painting the upside and downside scenarios, basically, but then also just saying whether or not I'm, I'm targeting them. Um, and that, that should be out tomorrow on uh, on RotorWorld.com. Would hate to see Gibson on that again this year. <laughs> well, Gibson's year? not going early, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not,
1: not yeah Gibson's becoming one of those zero RB late,
3: late <laughs> Yeah. Yep, hey, okay. Gibson in the 10th these
2: days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your value.
1: <laughs> No, we appreciate it, Pat. Guys, uh, stay tuned for that tomorrow. Go check out Pat on the Twitter machine and uh, all the other plays we we, uh, mentioned. Check out the links below. It was nice to have a full house, man. We got to get Dan, Theo, and Andrew on more often uh, when, when we get these things going. It's definitely more fun. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. The chat's been fire, as usual. We appreciate you guys. Smash the like. Smash the subscribe. Help us get to 500, man. We're only a couple away from 500 subs. We appreciate the support, guys. Stay tuned. Actually, Theo, before I close it, I always love asking you, give me some heat, man. What do we have coming on the district?
2: Uh, so this week, we're, we're loaded. Um, Pat started us off right. Tomorrow, uh, Dalton Cates is uh, going to be on press coverage with me at 445 Eastern Time um, from Yards Per Gretch and also Mojo. Dalton's been on the Goat District before, super, super sharp. On Wednesday, Dan has fantasy football legend Scott Pianowski of Yahoo um, and another uh, one-on-one press coverage. Uh, and then Thursday, we have one of our most fun episodes of the season where we have um, – uh, <laughs> you can't handle the truth, uh, J.D., that was a good one. Um, but we have It's a Trap, which is an awesome show um, where I think, J.D., you've been doing this for maybe about three four years now where we have – Two big time uh, high stakes players, Noah Riddell from the FFPC Streets uh, and Tommy Labretti, last year's NFFC primetime and Silver Bullet champion, uh, coming on with uh, the four of us to give our fades this year. So we're going to be giving fades at different points in the draft and different positions. So we're loaded this week. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it was fun getting uh, Noah on. Hopefully, he's got a squat machine ready for us. Uh, (laughs) Guys who tuned in with us last time he was on will know what I'm talking about. But this was a blast tonight. Make sure you tune in. We got a loaded week, guys. So make sure you subscribe so you get those notices. And we'll check you all later. Fish, 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 fish. Pat, I totally forgot to to give you uh, props for the best free, freeze face uh, in the game for for fantasy. <laughs> yeah, freeze face shots are, are priceless on, on ship chasing. I that was part of my intro and I totally dropped it.
3: <laughs> no worries. I just saw this hot dog straw video. It's disgusting.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's horrifying. It really did, is. JD's <laughs> trying to ask me a question. I have no idea what you're talking about, JD. I was just <laughs> staring at my phone. This dude crushing a <laughs> hot dog beer. <laughs> it's horrible.
4: It's, it's awful. It's quite awful. Uh, uh, who posted that one?
5: John